Hey guys, welcome back to No Ride Around. We got a clickbait episode today. All the clicks. All the clicks. We're just going to do a nice little one for you. Um, we're going to talk about, well, we'll just get to the clickbait title. So, from my side of things, five bike books you got to read. I was going to come at, I don't read as much as you. So, kind of in my head, it was like five bike related pieces of entertainment. To consume, um, and it, part of this was originally when we were all locked down and couldn't go anywhere. Right, yeah, no, so that's where this idea came from. We were on COVID, like, hey, how do people keep their like, love alive when we're locked into our houses? Yeah, you know? definitely. And so we're going to give you guys just some quick hitters on things that keep us entertained. Because at the end of the day, like, Harley, I've always said this about you, and I don't, I mean, usually it's behind your back, but... <laughs> um, just because you own a bike shop doesn't mean you get to ride bikes a lot, right? No. As a matter of fact, I think owning a bike shop, you probably ride like less bikes. I should, we 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 prioritize it, and, and I'm proud of me and the team that we have here that we do make an effort. Yeah, like once a week, hell or high water to go ride. Um, but they always say if you like baking, don't open a bakery. Right. So, <laughs> so there's but you still have like an insanely high level of stoke for bikes. And, I love it. it, and so all these other things. They like they help keep that fire alive for sure, right? and so um, we're gonna share those. Yeah, when you like, kind of just for me, I consume bike related media in a number of different ways. Oftentimes, um, from a stationary trainer in my basement, because <laughs> <laughs> it's guaranteed. Yeah, I mean, it, you it, if you're gonna do something, if you're gonna consume bicycle riding in arguably the least engaging and least fun way. You should at least watch something dope while you're doing yeah. it. <laughs> I'm so glad you haven't turned into a Zwift nerd because I still like calling people Zwift nerds. Yeah. Um, <sighs> who's that guy on social media I follow? Um, local guy. And he's like all about the Zwift riding. I'm probably not going to say his name because I know him personally. Oh, okay. I can't think of his name right now. I follow him on social media. It was like one of those people you should know. Anyway. Adam? Sure. Maybe. I don't know. There, okay. But he is all about super swifter <laughs> like but he has like millions of followers and i don't so you know whatever yeah whatever <laughs> anyway <laughs> um so this will be kind of you know we were going to say top five knowing the way you and i go it'll just be this very freeform list of uh books movies etc uh of of bike stuff yeah bike stuff so hit me off give me a give me a harley watches when droning away in the basement, what would get somebody jacked up? I love, and it's all, you know, I'm, I'm going to start with something that's maybe boring on the surface to a lot of people, but I do really enjoy watching, and I've said this before, cross-country bike racing. The, and specifically? The women's, the women's bike racing is really good. And is it the same, is it, re, is it good like the same way that like women's two-person volleyball in the Olympics is good. <laughs> uh, no, it, it is it is good purely on the merits of it being good bicycle racing. Cool. Um, if you go on your, you know, if you go on YouTube and you type in World Cup XCO recap or whatever, there are hours upon hours upon hours of amazing racing um, 
for the last handful of years. And the coverage is, you know, since Red Bull has, has stepped in as kind of the title sponsor working with the, the UCI, the, the content that gets produced, the commentating, and then on top of that, the racing being really, really good. Um, it's, it's a, it's a hands down favorite. Cool. Um, so yeah, if you, if you're, you're training to go race your bike, watch other people racing. Cause then you feel like you're kind of doing the race too. Right, right, right. Like with people you would never ever race with. <laughs> uh, what do you got for me? Cause you're going to do, you, you're mostly books. Yeah. I'm going to stick with books. I got, I got one series I, I think people should all watch, but, um, the first book going to go history style here, uh, two wheels North. So this book, Two Wheels North, it's back these these kids. I mean, and I said kids because they're like they're like eighteen, whatever, and they're gonna ride uh, north through California up to the World's Fair, and they're going over road gravel roads that were like tarred. Um, they're on bikes that, I guess, by today's standards, you would never ride them. I mean, I think the closest thing in this shop would be like imagine taking one of your single speed Linuses downstairs. And then putting bike packing gear all over it, but and then, literally riding it down the stairs. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and then and then riding that thing all the way up to like the World's Fair. Um, and so they get quasi sponsored by a newspaper in Sacramento, and they say the newspaper says, "Hey, if you get to the World's Fair um, up in Oregon, if you get there or Seattle, rather, it was in Seattle, if you get there." Before this date, we will pay you this much. And that was kind of the deal. And so these two kids go and, um, you know, they had all the fancy stuff we have today. And so they would fish for food. You know, they they stopped at a farm at one point and worked for two days just so that they could get lodging for those couple of days. Um, and then the one dude thinks he falls in love with the farmer's daughter, like one of those stories. Of course. Um, but uh, really cool. Literally the only woman around for miles. Yeah. In <laughs> yeah. love. Yeah, love her. <laughs> Just a super cool story of two kids bikepacking back before bikepacking was bikepacking. Right. Um, chasing a clock to get paid, you know? Yeah. Um, and just purity, you know? So what, hit me with the name one more time. It's called Two Wheels North. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. I do have, I have two books, but one of them is a book to not read. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> just watch that dude ride. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so the next one is going to be Harley's book not to read. <laughs> Do not read the book written by Peter Sagan. Um, <laughs> so, language barrier side, you know, I, I don't remember where he's from, but it's not the U.S., and so English is not his first language. Uh, Peter Sagan is an, a phenomenal bike racer, and he's been world champ. This is uh, road racing, too, so sorry for all you knobby-tired uh, gearheads. Um, but the guy is just... You know, he's he will be a legend of the sport in 20 years. He's a legend of sport currently, but a um a book writer he is not. Like <laughs> um and honestly, kind of the book just meanders. It doesn't really have a story behind it. Um well, because the story's not over. And that I think and that's, that's what you told me yeah, a bit. Like it's like, like not over. Yeah, like he's still a young guy-ish. Um, he hasn't been as dominant recently as he was in years past. But the the tale of, you know, I can get on board with a Lance Armstrong book. I can get on board with a, a Greg LeMond book. 
um, because their cycling careers are effectively over. Like them as humans, obviously they're still doing stuff, but like that story's over, done with, and it's got an end to it. And the Peter Sagan book just does not have that. <laughs> and it, it, whoever was helping him author the book did not do a phenomenal job. So, <laughs> uh, so, so, so swinging a miss. Yeah. On that so book. spare yourself that one. <laughs> All right. Well, then if you did buy that book and you're super pissed, I've got a book that will change your mind. All right. My next record. This book's called The Coyote's Bicycle by Kimball Taylor. Kimball Taylor is a journalist out of L.A., and he gets wind of this story that's happening on the U.S. side of the border there with Mexico at Tijuana, right? And what happens is these landowners are going out and patrolling their land, and they're finding droves of bicycles just in heaps, like in piles, abandoned on their property. And so they're collecting them. And they get to a point where some of these landowners, like at their outbuildings, have just piles and piles and piles of bikes. And they're like, like hundreds or thousands. At the height of the heyday, this is the story of 7,000 bikes that made an incredible journey. And one young man who arrived at the border with nothing built a small empire and then vanished. (laughs) So this guy is a coyote in Tijuana, young kid. And he develops a program for getting people across the border. And, you know, on the U.S. side of the border, they got all kinds of technology, right? And so they can, like, uh, they have seismographs that can read, like, the pitter-patter of feet. And they're like, oh, fucking feet. We're going to get these motherfuckers. And, you know, and so they have all this tech. Well, he, he knows this. So he develops a system where bikes are deposited on the U.S. side of the border, just on the border side, so that when he coyotes them across the border... They get on bikes and they ride across the land and they don't trigger the seismographs in the ground and they're getting away. Then they get past where this patrol area is and they just ditch the bikes and they have like vans that pick them up and whatever. So this guy develops an entire system of coyoteing people illegally across the border using bikes and the result was piles and piles of bikes. And so this journalist gets one of the story and he goes and he tries to investigate this whole deal. So throughout the book, you learn a lot about U.S.-Mexico border relations, um, kind of the dirtiness of the loose border and the industry that is that of being a coyote. And so this journalist goes into Mexico and tries to find this guy. And you don't ever learn his name. And the guy, he's still, he's around. He made, they talk about how much money he made, millions of dollars, right? Like the coyote made The coyote, okay. he's minted, right? Um, but never got caught and ends up at the very end of the book communicating with this journalist through cryptic notes and left notes. And that's the only direct interaction he ends up. That's with. it's bonkers. Unbelievable story that encompasses a lot of cool stuff, but all centered around using a bike to, to get by way of it. It's pretty nuts. Jesus. So coyotes bicycle. Um, all right. The, uh, I think there's one and I kind of just want to talk about it cause you and I like briefly talked about it, but if you're a cyclist and you have not watched Lance Armstrong's 30 for 30, you're an idiot. You're doing life wrong. Yeah, you're you're so far off base. <laughs> um, and I don't want to talk to you until you do. <laughs> um, that'll go. I mean, it, it, when we initially had a concept for this episode, um, it, I hadn't watched it. I don't even know if it was out yet. It wasn't out yet. Yeah. Um, one, it's just a great kind of so- cycling documentary. Like, Yeah, you get a lot of history. You get a lot, and... 
I was lucky enough. I don't know, lucky, unlucky, who knows. I was growing, like, I was of an age where I cared deeply about road cycling because uh, I lived in a place that was flat, if not bull-shaped at the time. <laughs> um, and all we had really was road cycling. And so I was following every second of, of Lance and his career. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I just... I was I was all the way in it, so a lot of it was stuff that I knew. Plus, there's other Lance documentaries out there. Yeah, and there's been other documentaries that he's been featured on. The, yeah. the spoof one too. Is Dude, funny. what was it? Uh, Tour to pharmacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, is that light? Like, is it still boring my face? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're good. Um, but uh, so a lot of the history stuff was stuff that I knew, but a lot there was a lot of behind the scenes stuff that came out in the thirty for thirty that I I I didn't really know. Um. And there's a lot of candid moments. Oh, dude, he speaks so openly like, and honestly. Like, I think he probably drew, like, there were some people who were saying that he obviously, quote unquote, didn't learn anything because his attitude is still, I w- like, he says a hundred times, I wouldn't change a thing. Right. And I've, I've, I've heard some, some, some pushback from people saying, well, if that's his attitude, then he didn't learn the lesson. No, 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 no. If he would have changed anything, he would have been a nobody. Yeah. Right? That was what he was like getting. Like, that was almost where the point of it But was. also, first of all, he definitely learned the lesson. I mean, $5 million lesson. Yeah. For sure. And that um, was just one settlement. Yeah. Uh, you know. Like, walking around with a scarlet letter on your back, but at least he embraces it. Yeah. Not uh, that he embraces it like, yeah, I'm the cheater. But it's like, hey, that's what happened. But I mean, if you had to, even with the outcome, if you had to have that whole story be your story, you would probably take it. I mean, <laughs> I would be mountain biking in Aspen every day. Because first of all, he's still rich as fuck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everybody's like, "Oh, he's financially ruined." No, he's not. Shut up. That was it. Was funny because I, I like his podcast, The Forward, um, because he has people on who have gone through like the muck, yeah. and then they're they're still moving forward. And I've yeah. got my own story of muck, so I like I like that stuff. Um, but he said he had had like a, I think I've talked about it on here before. He had a politician on and the politician got done being interviewed and he sent him an email. He's like, Lance, I'm really going to do what I can to, to help clear your name and help you out. And then he wrote back a second email. My staff just told me like how well you do with all this stuff. And yeah. I feel like an ass for yeah. having to think I could help you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the, he's fine. Like, yeah. Like, and that's the thing. Is okay. He doesn't have his Tour de France titles. Well, first of all, yes, he does. Yeah, he I just mean, doesn't have the things. Yeah, like, he's got the the yellow jerseys like, are in his bike shop. Yeah, and the trophies are still in his house. So I mean, you won, yeah. and there's a blank X on all yeah. the records. You won. Nobody else did. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. he's fine. Um, also, like if you watch Thirty for Thirty, like he still gets driven the fuck around by somebody in a big ass black SUV to his dope ass house in Aspen, <laughs> like. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> um, but it is a really good uh, good piece of like cycling documentary, um, I thought. Yeah, no, um, I, I did too. Uh, it made me want to see some other ones. Like there's the one on um, Pantani. Pantani. Dude, that, that one, I watched that one. I was almost in tears by the end of that one. That one's a that one's a gut wrencher. Yeah. Um, so watch that 30 for 30. You know, 30 for 30 has been around for a really long time. Like they've been doing these for a long time, but – that last dance with the Chicago Bulls kind of in the Jordan whatnot really like fired up this like 
thirst because we're all craving like there's no live sports right so people are crazy so then i just need competition man (laughs) so then the lance one was awesome yeah and then the bruce lee one sucked i didn't watch that one i just so can i tell you i don't give any shits about basketball none i mean i know you you like to play basketball and you care about basketball and uh, arguably this is a basketball town and but i i couldn't give a fuck about basketball but I started watching The Last Dance, and it's really fucking good. I can't believe you haven't finished it. That's like a battle watch situation. I, um, yeah, I'll get there. (laughs) You know, it, dude, that, that was, I recorded it. Oh, like we have like the record feature. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I've watched it all. I'm not deleting it. It's that dope. (laughs) Nice. But I grew up with the Bulls and stuff. So, uh, I'm going to stay with documentary for my next one. I'm not going to go book. I'm going to go series. You can get it on Amazon Prime. Um, watch now for free. And it's called Eat, Race, Win. I think we've talked about You've it. You've talked before. about it. Remind me what it is, though. Cause... So in Eat, Race, Win, this performance chef, uh, her name's Hannah Grant, she goes on, uh, she's on Tour de France with the Orca Scott team, which or, the Orca Scott team has another documentary on Netflix covering their first year in existence of, of racing the tour. Um, but she ends up going on as their chef. And so the whole series is really awesome. One episode or half the episodes about the, the road team and in the tour, like their strategy, who's going to win that day. How's it going to play out? What's going to happen. And then it actually play, did it play out that way? Did it not? Whatever. While they're racing, she's outsourcing food for the racers dinner that night and breakfast the next morning. And she's sourcing it from wherever they are going to be at the end of that day in the country. So it's like foodie plus bike racing, foodie plus bike racing, plus performance, like sports type I'm on stuff. Board. Dude, it's unreal. So I, um, I down, I downloaded it to my phone and then it's 12 hours to get back to Iowa. And there's conveniently there's 12 one hour episodes. <laughs> and so with my phone placed up on the dash of my truck and Bluetooth to the speakers, Abby and I watched the whole thing drive back to Iowa. Terrifying. Um, I mean, it's straight. You literally could be I know. like they built the roads because like drunk people drive them. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought so, it was just cause they won. They knew everybody passing through the middle part of the country just wanted to get it over as quickly as possible. No, no, no. They wanted to have it as straight as possible. So drunk people had like a good buffer, you know, big okay. ditches, yeah. soft yeah. grass. Yeah. All right. You know, open so, fields, rolling open fields. Um, it's really cool. It's called Eat, Race, Win. You learn a lot about, you know, what it takes to race for 21 days. You also learn a lot about how important food is. But then she goes through like some like dairy farms for cheese. She goes through some super organic like veggie farms and just really cool. Um, how she finds creative ways to to fuel her athletes a little bit more than bonza pasta and ground sausage. Good too. I mean, it's really good, and we're also not <laughs> now professional that's, chefs. Now, now that's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, eat, race, win. Documentary Netflix. Scope it. It's awesome. Um, I'll continue with uh, tour teams. Um, the least expected day on Netflix. I know nothing of this. Um, it highlights the movie star team. In 2019. Oh, okay. Um, yes, it's all. I, I did. It's all. It's subtitled. Yes, the whole thing subtitled. Yeah. Um, I so, you need to say that when you re- refer. Like, if you don't feel like reading today. Yeah, and so I oftentimes don't like subtitled stuff because I just you know when I'm watching TV, most stuff is just I don't know. But anyway, this one is really good. Um, the big thing for me on this one was, you know, as mountain bikers, there's not a lot of 
there's never, almost never team tactics in a mountain bike race. Right. You know, no, you, I mean, it's too, it, like, it just doesn't work that way. No, it, no. You know, I mean, even when you watch, um, I think it was the last race of the uh, cross country world cup this year or last year. Um, you had Nino Scherter, who's on the Scott team, Scott Schramm team, and one of his teammates, and they were first and second, and they still raced each other. Oh, yeah. Like, so team tactics in mountain biking just really isn't a thing. But in road cycling, it's nothing. It's the thing. I mean, it's a planned strategy, everyone has a role. What I, there was a couple of things in this documentary that, I guess I, I knew just from watching tour coverage over the years and and whatnot. But most of the guys on a team usually don't really like each other very that, much. The few episodes I watched of that, they yeah. And so I will say this: the the reason in this specifically with this group of riders and this team and on this documentary is instead of. The team director, because there's always a, a, it's called the director sportif. He's the leader. He's the guy who decides what racers are doing, what races, what their strong suits are, what their role is in in the team. Are you a domestique? Are you a sprinter? Are you a protected rider? Are you a general contender? That's their, the director has to tell the team who's doing what. And there ends up being a shitload of conflict on this team race over race to the detriment of the team because they would ro- roll into one of the grand tours. So the grand tours are the, the three week races, Tour de France, Vuelta Espana, you know, these, these massive 21 day races. Um, and they would a nine person team and the director would say, well, one of you two guys is going to be the team leader for this race. Like they were identifying two racers out of a nine person team as the team leader. And then you end up with this fracture down the middle of the team if one racer's doing well or not doing well. Yeah, because didn't he say they let, they let the race unfold, right? Yeah. To see who's going to be in a better spot. But for better or for worse, if you look at teams that do well, they identify a team leader. Yeah. The Broncos don't just send, well, maybe they do based on their record, but pick a good team and, uh, you know, they don't send their team out on the field and say, I don't know who's quarterback. You guys figure it out. Right. Like, everybody's got a defined role. No, the Broncos actually do do that. That's exactly what they do. They they, they don't yeah, know who's yeah, the Yeah, they don't yeah. know who the quarterback That's why I, yeah, yeah, I backpedals I mean, a little I know, bit. I know, I know. So, Sorry, guys. I'm a Saints yeah. fan. Get over it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. But, so, that what you know, also like um, Lance Armstrong. So, like, the cheater thing. Uh, so, anyway. Yeah, but. The Saints. You know. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, brutal. Um, but um, it, it's, a, it's a pretty – there's not actually that much. I mean, they talk about bike racing, and obviously they show some results, but a lot of it is kind of more about the relationships the racers have with each other, and um, it's it's really good. And, and, and again, I, I, I don't think I was as aware that oftentimes you could have nine guys, quote-unquote, working for each other in a race – but that are like, as soon as this is over, I don't like, like we, we're not hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. So that was uh that was a good one. So the least expected day on Netflix. 
All right, my last recommendation is going to be a book as well. Um, this book's by David Byrne, who he was a musician first, right, uh, before he got into writing. And he was with the band Talking Heads. Uh, but he's also big into riding bikes, like huge into bicycling. And so he writes this book um, called The Bicycle Diaries. And so I pick it up, or just called Bicycle Diaries. I pick it up thinking it's going to be all about bike riding. And I'm completely thrown a giant curveball because while bike riding is the common theme throughout the entire book, he's done so much traveling as a musician, as a touring musician. He's seen so many cities that the whole book actually goes over the infrastructure for cities that are conducive for bike riding and cities that are conducive for bike riding, what it does for the economy, the social fabric, the health of a community by having either a good bike network or a poor bike network, bike network. Um, and it takes you all over the kind of all over the world, right? Centering obviously on some like big success stories like Copenhagen and things like that. And maybe some less success stories like the way that the uh, highway system kind of decimated small town, small community style mm. Americana. Um, anyway, it's really interesting and it does all center around using the bike, but it does so in, in such a way that you see how a little decision about a bike path here or a bike path there, or more importantly, not having one of those has a trickle down effect that can change like whether this is a healthy or unhealthy community, something as simple as a bike. And so it puts a lot of weight on it, but also lets you see things from like a, I don't know, city planner, civic planner sort of view. Right. Yeah. And, and I, Denver is, so I grew up in New Orleans and as much as people use bikes there, it's not very bike friendly. Right. I mean, well, cobblestone streets or, well, or just, there's no <laughs> bike lanes. Like, right. I mean, it's, you know, you're just out there with the traffic. Um, there's no bike path. Are you kidding? I mean, I think there are some designated bike paths now, but like compared to the luxurious Cherry Creek bike path that we have here, right. it's not even the same thing. And, uh, you know, just that it, I, I'm, I'm into that one. I may have to actually check that one out just because, I'm oftentimes like, why don't they just like, why is there not bike lanes? Yeah. You know, like it's, there's, there's a bigger piece to it, I yeah, guess. Yeah, there is, you know, um, actually one of the really cool things and a little aside Nerd out, go for it. Um, they're, uh, one of the big moves that city planners are doing are building on top of highways. So they're raising platforms alongside of a highway and they'll build on top of it and they'll make it a green space, parks, bike paths. And so you, basically create make the highway subterranean where's this happening dude it's well we have a big project actually it's going to be happening here in denver um and it was a huge it's been a huge you, you may not hear about if you don't live in the area like so it's over by um like five points um uh, getting over to that like where i 70s over there by the uh, coliseum and all that stuff there's it's a shit show over there kind of the northern part of denver yeah it's just a mess over there because it's very I mean, no one's hanging out over there. Like, I, I ride my bike through there because I'll ride, like, the bike trail until it gets to smelling like shit by the water treatment. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, I got to get back to town. Yeah. And so I end up over there. Um, I've also had my car impounded before. So whatever. <laughs> that's where that um, is. That's where that is. <laughs> and so it's just, imagine where that type of place is, right? So it's just shit. Yeah. Um, Nothing going on. But there used to be communities there. And uh, there's still, like, you'll see a mom and pop store there, but they're just hanging out by threads of shithole. 
So that's what they're doing over there. And they're going to basically create a big, like a beautiful area. Amazing. But there's all kinds. I mean, it's it's nuts. Like there's people campaigning, picketing. Like there's a, it's a huge deal over there. But we're doing it here. Um, you know, these projects take a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's not going to be like an overnight one. No, but, you know, it's the little decisions that we allow happen that create big change where, like there was an initiative, I think, two years ago on the ballot to mandate certain size of commercial building had to have X amount of um, like greenhouse space on the roof, mm. like grass or whatever. There was yeah. an initiative for that. It's those little things that like just kind of start to move the marker. Um, and actually, you know, Denver's one of them. Now, stuff like our bike lane on Broadway is kind of cheese dick silly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you kind of got to go out. You got to go with traffic to get into it. And then when you're out of it, you're back in traffic. But it's like a start, right? They're like saying like we had, we're well, and that one was always a pilot. Yeah. Like, well, then they made it permanent. Yeah. But it's like a permanent awkwardness. Now yeah. the one on 17th is awesome. Right. Or one on 15th is awesome. So, um, but some of these initiatives can really change the makeup of a city. And when you change that, you're going to be able to change kind of the vibe of it. And yeah. It's really cool. So, Bicycle Diaries. I'll be honest with you. I own the book, um, but I only bought it after I read it. It was one of my bookstore books. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Your so airport bookstore airport books. Airport bookstore books where you just read pieces of it when you randomly are killing time at random bookstores. So <laughs> I bet they love that, too. So my books that I recommend, I got Bicycle Diaries by David Byrne, Two Wheels North, the author's name is Gibb, right? And then The Coyote's Bicycle by Kimball Taylor. I think three like very different looks at how bikes work, right? Like a bikepacking adventure in the early 1900s, um, you know, shuttling like coyoteing people across the border with bikes pretty yeah. freaking crazy political story there and then you know city infrastructure oh, i like it that's awesome um i'm kind of struggling for my last one just because i i think i think there's two movies that are just if you want to be a cyclist there's two pop culture movies that you just have to watch and they're cheesy they're not really that great, <laughs> but they're great because they're they're just a, it's such a bizarre snapshot in time. You have to watch American Flyers. If you haven't seen Kevin Costner race a mountain bike with a mustache, you're just not living. Okay, did I get that one right? I, I yeah yeah I'm yeah. Sure, yeah I just uh, American Flyers. I always in my brain. I, I've seen them both countless times, but in my brain, I can't keep American Flyers and uh, and Breaking Away separate. Um, but yeah, American Flyers. Um, it's a really cool look at road bike racing in the U.S. in the seventies, eighties, probably. Um, there was a really strong road racing scene in the U.S., so Grand Tour-style stuff. And this particular one's cool. It's got a little bit of Colorado Denver bike shop history in it. There's, like, team vans for the Denver Spoke, which is a shop that no longer exists here. Um, and uh, it's just cool. It's just a okay. good movie. Like, definitely just watch American Flyers. Um, it's, I, I just wrote it down to do. Uh, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Um and then the other one is Rad. Oh, you got to watch Rad. You got to watch Rad. Yeah, you I mean, watch Rad. it's the the most ridiculous BMX racing movie with stuff that would just I mean like there's just I mean do we, do we even need to mention the the prom bike dancing scene? Bro. 
backflips onto the mattress. <laughs> so dope. Yeah. Uh, everything about that movie is just, and, and maybe it's just the time that I grew up around bikes. It, it's like, you know, it was in the, I didn't like BMX bandits as much. That's what I was just going to say. So I, I, I saw rad and then I'd never seen BMX bandits and I was told to watch it. So I went back and I watched it during COVID actually, um, on an indoor spin session and it's the, I mean, dude, it's a lame ass eighties movie. Like you can't look at it for what, BMX bandits, BMX bandits. Yeah. yeah. I was like, Oh but, my God, you run around the graveyard. It's like, Oh, the romance. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that 80s. was Nick, uh, Nicole Kidman's first movie though. Listen, that was a very high point of the movie. <laughs> Keeping it real. Um, but I think Rad, by comparison, I think you enjoy Rad a lot more watching it today for the first time ever as like an adult than BMX Bandits. Yeah. Rad oh, Race 100%. Higher. All for sure. Um, but yeah, definitely. So those are two. I think that'll round out my my list. Um, definitely watch American Flyers. Definitely watch Rad. They will, they will make you... You'll be a better bike rider because of it. Not, right, so, not skill wise, <laughs> just like like you'll be a more authentic bike rider. So here's what we want you guys to do: if you take uh, any of these watching, any of the viewing ones down, um, snap a shot a shot of yourself. If you're doing this like on a trainer, as Harley recommended, um, snap a shot of yourself doing it. Let's just see how absurd of a setup you can get. Um, if you get bonus points if you snap a photo of you watching, you know, rad in your little spin studio that you've made at your house. Because everybody's got one of those yep. now. And then the look on your spouse's face when they walk in and see you just totally <laughs> douched out watching Rad <laughs> and spinning alone. <laughs> Bonus uh, points. I love it. I love it. Um, I don't know that we have one. I mean, this is nice. Just a quick little. Yeah, it's just a fun little stuff for you guys. Like, listen, the, we can't ride bikes all the time, unfortunately. And so some of these things are just cool ways to keep the fun alive um, when you're not out there on the bike and you have something to talk about when you're post ride sitting around the truck and my post rides are cotton candy grapes and a Waterloo bubbly water I'm a renegade <laughs> dude I so, live on the edge I didn't know what the hell a cotton candy grape was until like was it three four weeks ago yeah. you were like dude have you had one of these I'm like what it's a fucking grape get out of yeah, my face not a grape it's not this cotton candy trapped inside of grape skin it's so weird Freaking I don't. Horrible. I don't trust it. <laughs> then it's not as if it's like a grape. That like, man, doesn't this kind of taste like cotton candy? It no, tastes exactly. It's literally like called it. cotton candy grapes. If you haven't had them, have you had these? D. No. You oh, just, well, dude. Okay, the thing of grapes I was eating during the last episode, <laughs> cotton candy grapes. Did I offer either of you any of them? <laughs> Absolutely not. Get your own. <laughs> that's how good they are. All right, guys. That's it. That's some stuff to read. That's some stuff to watch. Um, we vet a lot of this crap because, you know, we, we live in this world. So uh, take it for what it is. Yep. Appreciate you guys listening. Thanks for listening, guys. Catch you on the next one. Don't we? You're done. So get the fuck out. Don't we? You're done. So get the fuck out. Don't we? You're done.